We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. We are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. And thank you very much for joining us today, and we welcome you all on this beautiful May Day here. And we will begin with our morning prayer. Oh, <laughs> I will say it again. <laughs> okay, Florence, if you're there, we're, we'd like to hear the prayer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I'm reading from page 139 of Divinity Course and General Collectania. Do we not all understand cowardice never conquers? To get rid of temptation of any sort or to get out of a difficulty, we are not passive and let the wrong rule the right, but we struggle and thus conquer. We should not avoid the things that hurt us, but repeat them and meet them as their superior. Disease is a coward that leaves when you are not afraid of it. Love is a mighty spiritual force. Let the good you can do and the stimulation of action keep your mind from dwelling on the past. For the present demands your care and you must go forth to meet the future calm and strong. God is your refuge and a strong deliverer. He will hide you under his wings Till the storms are past and the sunlight of his presence cheers and invigorates you with new strength and exaltation. Mary Baker Eddy. Beautiful. Thank you very much. And, uh, Watch number 158. Watch lest in endeavoring to realize that you are a channel of good to all mankind you neglect to establish the fact that all men are channels for good to you. Jesus said that those who did the will of his father were his mother, sister, and brother, implying that his demonstration of God's presence and power included the realization that others could minister to him spiritually, since that is the spiritual significance of mother. Quote. Thank you. It's a beautiful watching point for today. Any comments? I I like the the first part of the watching point talking about other other people being a channel for good to you. This made me think that there's been a lot of times, I think even my mom was this way when she was like, thought she was like a super good Christian and everyone else was, was maybe not so much. So it avoids that, that thing that Jesus talked about where um, we don't pray like, thank God I'm not as other men, you know, uh, everyone has the opportunity to give us good. Thank you. And we should want that because that would be the millennium happening. So, yes, that's beautiful. Yes. I think really, if you think, if, when I thought about it, it's like, if I'm not accepting that everyone else has this mind of Christ, then I am denying God's allness once again. Yes. 
Vehicle. It always goes back to that, doesn't it? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and and how often? I mean, how often does you know a com- so-called complete stranger can minister in some way or express God's love? We shouldn't limit it to just so-called family member. <clears throat> But God's expressing himself everywhere, through everyone. We look for it. And we're all, we're all of one race, and we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're all a big, we're the family of God, right? <laughs> That's what we are. And thank God. Go ahead. No, look for God in everything, everyone, and you'll find Yes, thank you. So you'll find it because that's where he is. <laughs> Everywhere. Makes life very wonderful. So our subject today is Adam and Fallen Man. And um Lil, would you read the golden text? Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Okay, thank you. Any comments on that? What's a first fruit? Isn't that the best? The best offering? Looks a little hard to hear. Okay, you sound great. We should be the best of his creation. That's why he, that's how and why he created us of his own will. It's a high bar, isn't it? But he, but he wouldn't have told us this if it weren't possible. And I think that's the point. We ha- we have an inheritance that we may not even be aware of. I don't know why it just reminded me of you know for a long time they were, people were trying to run the mile under four minutes, but once the first guy did it, then you know within a short time a whole bunch of other people did. So <laughs> they just needed it more possible. And, well, and that's a good done. yeah. That's good. Because no, nothing, you know, all of God's creation is wonderful and perfect, but it is the idea of something very wondrous, and we should consider ourselves that way. It's in the, it's in Psalm 8, when I consider the heavens and the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? So, 
And before we go on to that part, I just wanted, it's a beautiful responsive reading, but that statement number 23, we were given this, you know, Mrs. Evans used to help us. All of us here came as very, very we were very young. I mean, we were very, very young when we came. <laughs> anyway, many of us had <laughs> little children. babies, <laughs> little babies, and she would help us with our pregnancy cases. And that was one that she gave that from that Isaiah 65, they shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth for trouble. For they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. It's very comforting. You know, there's this belief sometimes that you're going to have one child who's going to be a, a problem or maybe more than one, but a d difficult thing, bring forth for trouble. No, God doesn't say that. Um, and also, Proverbs 10, 22, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. So you can declare that for yourselves, for your children, for anyone. But no one was brought forth for trouble. That would be impossible. That's not part of God's creation. <clears throat> And then it establishes in the beginning of this lesson about man's dominion. Thou madest him have dominion over the works of thy hands, and thou hast put all things under his feet. Now, dominion, sovereign and supreme authority, the power of governing and controlling, right governing, and again, the power to direct and control Do you even ever think about this dominion that's given to you from God over all things? And, you know, that goes along with page 393 in Science and Health. Mind is a master of the corporeal senses and can conquer sickness, sin, and death. Exercise this God-given authority. Take possession of your body and govern its feelings and actions. Rise in the strength of spirit to resist all that is unlike good. God has made man capable. God has made you capable of this. And nothing can vitiate the ability and power divinely bestowed on man. On you. On you. And vitiate, that means to spoil its use or value or to destroy. So nothing, nothing can take that away from you. But do you claim it? Do you think about it? Do you act your day as if that were true? And do you live in accord to his precepts? Because this is always, you know, the requirement. This doesn't just happen. We have to be obedient to him. And then this dominion comes upon us. And it's most important how many actually feel as though they have dominion over everything around them? Dominion <laughs> over every circumstance that you could ever come across. You must be kidding. <laughs> it took a long time. <laughs> I think, you know, to a really great extent, we, I didn't know who I was, period. You know all these great things. This, I mean, even the the fact that soul 
is our identity. I mean, and, and what it says, beauty, grandeur, honor, all that. I don't think, I didn't have any idea. And I'm sure many don't still. Well, I sure didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's a work process, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Moments of it. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's moments. But but what a great inheritance it is. I mean, it's just, I don't know. Well, and, and also, where, you know, it, it implies control, doesn't it? As Mary read in the definition. But where does that control come from? God, power. Yeah, I think, and I think this is the key. The control is not within our own, it's not our own human will to control. It, it is mind, God, capital M, that controls. And that is why the only way we can ever experience this dominion is when we get totally rid of our own self-will and put our entire life, everything in our life, under the control of the one mind, God. That is the work in process, is to get rid of pride, get rid of self-will. And when we do that, we gain more and more dominion because we put our lives under the control of God. And that is the dominion. It's not anything that we do or say. Or accomplish. It's, like, it's Is it like, you know, clear, clearing the path or so that you can be the reflection, cleaning the mirror so you can be the reflection. So I guess as you're saying, if pride and all these other things, negative things are there, we cannot be that reflection to feel that dominion. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we won't experience the dominion <laughs> that is promised. And it's not God's fault, <laughs> if, that, <laughs> if that's the case. Shardy, did you? I had a little inkling of this because dominion is a totally new thing for me. And even in science, it wasn't until I came here. But when you work with the weather and directed by Mrs. Eddy and realize it's all what you said, it's God, dominion, then you have, then I get a little bit of feeling of that and have a little understanding, which will grow. <laughs> yeah. And Shardy on the weather committee. <laughs> so is Nancy. 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 Uh, yeah, we're having a beautiful so, day today. So you can thank Shardy and Nancy for the beautiful weather. <laughs> <laughs> we, we were talking about it. We gave the credit to Mary. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we already said God it's God, God yeah, working. Yeah. God working, yes. Yeah. God. And it's quite wonderful. And Mrs. Eddie has said that the weather is easier to, to do than anything else. And why is that? You don't see it humanly and limited. Yeah, there's no personal sense involved. <laughs> it's totally void of personal sense. So, um, and we are expected to handle the weather. And yet I read it was 
For one of the Bible studies, I was reading a commentary, and they said, well, you know, of course, Jesus controlled the weather, but that's that's totally impossible for any of us today. And I said, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> and I just gave silent to Mrs. Eddie. No, not so. Taint so, honey. Yeah, so. Uh, thank you to Jesus for telling us that mm-hmm. the works that he did, we will do also mm-hmm. if we believe. That yes. is if yeah, it's not our job to make him a liar. It's our job to prove him a liar. Some greater works, right? He said. Yes. So we've been given this wonderful dominion, and um, over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, the cattle, over all the earth, and every creeping thing. But then, what happens? They ate from the fruit of the tree. The darn mist. The mist. And it didn't come down from heaven. It came up from the dirt. Yeah. <laughs> from the earth. Yes. Good point. So, and that, that, what's it? I said that was good. I never thought of it yeah. that way. It came up from me. Yeah, from the earth. And nothing uh, blurred our vision, turned everything upside down. Then we had the blame game, you know, the... Eve blames the serpent, and Adam blames Eve, and everybody's blaming everybody else. That's a sign you're in the wrong mind when you start to blame. You have to take responsibility. Having conversation comes, and we want to run away. <laughs> yes, yes, you want to run away and hide. You feel shame. All of the things, it's all there. But that is the creation that. We're not a part of. We don't have to be part of. That's the Adam dream, as we say, the Adam dream. Um, and I thought it was interesting that uh, the end of that story says about God. So, so he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden a cher- cherubim, cherubim, cherubim. And a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Now, here in California, she picked up on that, and she found an article, and it was written by um, this Dorothy Countess von Maltka, who I've mentioned. She, she, the book called An Island of Peace in an Ocean of Unrest, the letters of this Dorothy von Moltke, um, she was around during the occupation of the Nazis in Germany. She was from South Africa, but she'd married this German. And she and her husband were two that went to Boston. It was after, right after Mrs. Eddy passed, but to translate the uh, signs and health into German. And I never read an article by her. And it was interesting. She says in this article, it was called Our Garden. We are told in the biblical allegory. Here, I'll let you read it again. Hmm. We are told in the biblical allegory that God placed at the east of the garden uh, of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Now we must stand porter at the door of thought. Science and Health, page 392 and admit only such thoughts as acknowledge the omnipotence of God. Should we want to know by what means this is to be accomplished, 
We find on page 538 of our textbook, Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures, that the cherub who guards the entrance is wisdom and the gate through which all must pass in order to enter the spiritual realm is understanding, while the sword is truth. It is interesting to notice that the cherubims were placed at the east, that is to say, on the side where the sun rose, showing us clearly that our work should commence with the rising of the sun, and that if we only begin to stand porter at midday, a goodly number of serpents may by that time have entered at the gate. It is our work to see that nothing enters our consciousness which defileth or maketh a lie, but that it be kept a veritable paradise, bright and beautiful and serene. I thought that was so beautiful. Um, beautiful thoughts in there. And yes, this is a part of how we... Um, how we maintain our dominion. And it starts first thing in the morning at, at the rising of the sun. Make sure we're seeking God first. Don't wait till midday to read your lesson. We were always taught here to do it first. Do your prayers, everything first. All your thought is fresh. It's also like a sponge. It will take in a lot of negativity if you let it. So thought that was beautifully put. And um, later we're going to read, uh, she also called out that from the Eustace, it's in the book, but it was also originally from a 1903 Christian Science Journal article, the Eustace article, Adam, where art thou? And you can be asking yourself all the time during the day, where are, where are you? What are you thinking about? Um, he says, conscious, consciousness is the emanation of life, truth, and love. Consciousness then lives and moves and has its being in life, truth, and love. Consciousness, therefore, is living, truthful, and loving. And it is not dying, lying, and hating. <laughs> so so that's, that's good to know, right? We don't want to be in the lying, dying, and hating category. So where is your consciousness? And, you know, very often, if you're having a stumbling block to your growth, it often is, is what Gary talked about earlier, it's, it's pride or some kind of dishonesty. And it's, it's often hard to recognize in yourself that you are those things, like prideful. Because I, as I told you, I was told I was prideful, and I was even told I had nothing to be prideful about, <laughs> but I was still prideful. <laughs> and so I didn't see that in me, but later I did. I came to see it very well, very well. And, and often you'll tell someone that they're prideful, like me, <laughs> like I was. Oh, I'm not prideful. Well, that right away shows that you are. <laughs> you are. <laughs> you, you, yes, that's right. It's proof you've admitted to it. So anyway, if we can knock those things down, we will maintain our dominion because we will let God use us and we will stay in that right consciousness. And then also I just wanted to mention but Parthens wrote, because this is something I give people often. We are confident, I say, and then willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So. And Parthens writes, he quotes from Second Corinthians, to be at home in the body is to be absent from the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 
after Joseph Mann's wondrously speedy healing from a gunshot wound to the heart that doctors pronounced unalterably fatal, Mrs. Eddy exclaimed, you have had a wonderful experience. You were thrown violently out of the body. Go not back into the house. And this is from Reminiscences of Mary Baker Eddy, class of 1923 notes, page 55. Being at home with the body, the five material senses, means being absent from the Lord, which renders the body vulnerable to sickness, accident, death. On the other hand, being at home with the Lord means being absent from the body, which allows the body to be governed by the spiritual senses and thereby express its true nature, invulnerability. Because thou hast made the Lord thy habitation, home, there shall no evil befall him, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling, home. And that's Psalm 91, of course. So you see, you have to be very careful when you're working on a problem, especially a physical problem. If you're always thinking about the problem, you're not absent from the body. You're right there in that body, boy. You're just you're just in there thinking about it, poking around, talking about it, asking for help with it. It goes on and on. I know I've done that, too. And looking to it to see whether you're well or not well. Yes. In the meantime, you've built the whole thing up in your head. Florence? No, I, as Mrs. Eddie is saying, I see if the body can tell you who you are or what you are. That's it's it. Not the body tells us that. That's right. It is not. And that's why. And I said it was a game changer. What Mrs. Evans gave me years ago, <clears throat> too soon, you cannot turn from disease in the body to find disease in the mortal mind and its cure. Working for working God. For working God. And that's the reason, because you can't work for God and be thinking about your body, can you? You know, I would see it with Mrs. Evans sometimes when she would be deeply troubled. She would go in her office, she would shut her door, and she would get out her lesson books and work on a lesson. Because she knew that would lift her thought. It would take her away from her body or her the problem, whatever it is. You must, you've got to train yourself to focus on God. And all of these things are what give you dominion. Now, this doesn't mean you ignore it. I have some people who, you know, don't, won't even tell me what they think their problem is because they don't want to mention it. That's the other extreme. You, you can mention it and realize you're working on something, but just don't build it up in your thought. And uh, it's been written, Mrs. Eddy, oftentimes, whenever there was something that she needed to do, for the church or some decision that needed to be made to, you know, to do, to, to, you know, to start, to start a new project or something like that. She would often feel it in her body. She would often feel somewhat ill until she took the steps that God wanted her to take for the church. Thank you. And, and that is, that's another thing. Sometimes you're, you don't feel well or you have a, a restless spirit, they call it, uneasy sense. 
and it's not just to be put aside. It's because God is pressing on you. There's something you need to do. There's something you haven't done. Maybe you need to talk to that husband of yours and tell him a few things. <laughs> and you just are trying to avoid that confrontation. Or maybe you got to do it. Because sometimes we have to speak our mind. We can be loving, but we have to speak our mind. Otherwise, you are not rebuking error. You're just letting it go on and on and on. That's just one example. And remember, when you're working for God, you're working for truth. You're standing up for what is true. You're working for life. You're standing up for eternal life and opposed to anything that says life is not eternal. You're standing up for divine love. Which no is a, hate. No hate. No envy. No animosity. So you, those are the things that you're working for. This is not a personal sense of God that you're working for. Like the prayer, cowardice never conquers. Yes. Yes, that's right. You you don't avoid the situations you face them. That I have told you, I've given testimonies about that statement that has been so helpful to me um, to get me to where I could speak up. And what Gary just said, that's purifying all your motives. You're not doing it because you just can't stand that person or whatever. You're doing it for all the reasons he said. You're standing up for life, truth, and love. And you can do it in a loving manner. But needs to be done and sometimes you will suffer for it until you do it so that's another way that works um and that that's again where scientists have to be aware of that because you just don't push all your feelings down and say they don't exist you recognize the feelings and and ask god what you need to know or do about each one and he will help you because he's your creator Whatever spiritual and the other person must feel it as well. So yes, yes, and again, just waiting to be channels of good for you, <laughs> right? That's and right. when it involves like other people, point. what you're supposed to do is for their good as well as yours. Yes, and and as Florence says, saying, "With God is all, what is there to fear?" Right where that person is, is God. You know, he, he if he's everything, he's everywhere. That person is not God, but God can express himself through that person. So, therefore, you have to address it in that way, too. And you will find the results can be wonderfully amazing. And the problem you were having dissipates. Because that's how God works. That's how truth works. How love works and life. Yep. So, and then... Well, what I was so excited about in this week's lesson that I could hardly sleep last night. <laughs> it was a, it was the last statement in Science and Health. I've given this to most people, but Craig, you want to read the last statement oh, in Science and Health? Oh, okay. Through discernment of the spiritual opposite of materiality, even the way through Christ's truth. Man will reopen with the key of divine science the gates of paradise, which human beliefs have closed, and will find himself unfallen, upright, pure, and free. Yay! <laughs> I just think of that. That's so awesome. First of all, reopen. 
reopen. It was once open. And what is the key? Divine science. Yes. And what is it going to open, lead to? Paradise. Paradise. <laughs> and what have closed it? What has closed it? Human beliefs. Human beliefs. Human beliefs. Now, this goes back, and I've told this story too, that story of um, the woman who passed on. She thought she was afraid of cancer. She got cancer. She died of cancer. So, so they say. And she went to the other side, and she saw her father who said, you need to go back and live your life courageously. And she did. And she woke up in the hospital, and there was not a trace of cancer in her. And she, of course, all fear left her. And she realized that this cancer, and we can call it pink feathers or whatever else you want to call it, <laughs> the nameless nothing, whatever you want to call it, had not killed her. She said her false belief killed her. That's what killed her. And I thought, my gosh, this is what Mrs. Eddy says over and over and over. It's your beliefs. So we're going to strip these beliefs today and get rid of them because God doesn't want us to have this. Well, and, and of course, after that, she, the doctors were amazed. The book was called Dying to Be Me, and I couldn't read most of it because it was very medical. But the, the thrust of it was wonderful. And it was Christian science, if you will. Anyway, see if I can find. Um, well, it's just it's another example of the proof of the science. She didn't understand so much the science, but it was proved to her. And it should be proof to us that the science that we study is true. Yes, Christian science explains it all. Mrs. Eddie explains this is, this is the key to open the door to paradise. Who doesn't want to be in paradise? And a few weeks ago, I asked how many people thought they were in heaven. I couldn't see all the hands that were being raised. I'm sure there were many. <laughs> but with science, we should at least feel we're partly in heaven so on page 103 of the beloved blue book definition animal magnetism is starting a belief and getting others to fear it <laughs> until evil is done to those that hold the belief and a law is made and the era goes on gaining ground until the serpent becomes a dragon we just saw this happen with the nameless nothing, didn't we? Animal magnetism started a belief, got everybody else to fear it, okay? Until evil is done to those that hold it in belief. And then a law is made. And then the era goes on gaining ground until the serpent becomes a dragon. This is how this works. And if you can see it, and Mrs. Eddy tells us so clearly what it is, we can. And now we have, in belief, a dragon, don't we? Kids required to get vaccinated if they want to go to college mm -hmm. or high school or grade school. Wearing your mask. Can't, you can't read the Bible, but you have to get vaccinated. Yeah, right. 
you know, it was it was something to me when this, you know, our friend Anne in England, I read her testimony on, on Wednesday where she said, you know, in England, you don't talk to your neighbors or other people about religion or God. It's like, hello. Well, why not? And I remember and when we um, we had that back to Plainfield Day and one of our wonderful friends from Paris he was in our home and he looked at I had a I have a calligraphy of in a frame bless this house oh lord we pray make it safe by night and day it's what we sing sometimes on thanksgiving and he said you would never see that in France and I went well why not so people we stand for what we are now we're not going to let people take our bibles or our ability if they tell you not to talk about god to your neighbor then you get on your rooftop and you shout it (laughs) which is how i feel i have to shut myself up but i'm so excited about this truth here we have the key (laughs) to the gates of paradise are we going to be quiet about it are we going to say, oh, no, we can talk about it. Somebody told me I can't talk about it. And I don't know what's going on in Europe. And maybe there's policemen that come around and tell you you can't talk about it. I don't know. But I just know that let's let's break those bonds. We have to share this truth. It's so exciting. It's so wonderful. So I wanted to give you another wonderful example of belief because Craigie read it in his readings on Wednesday. The the individuality created, this is Science and Health, page 514 to 515. The individuality created by God is not carnivorous as witness the millennial estate pictured by Isaiah. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down, and the kid and the calf and the young child and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. This is why I know (laughs) that eventually... Vegans are going to win out, okay? All right. (laughs) Understanding the control which love held over all, Daniel felt safe in the lion's den, and Paul proved the viper to be harmless. All of God's creatures moving in the harmony of science are harmless, useful, and indestructible. A realization of this grand verity was a source of strength to the ancient worthies. It supports Christian healing and enables its possessor to emulate the example of Jesus. And God saw that it was good. Patience is symbolized by the tireless worm creeping over lofty summits, persevering in its intent. The serpent of God's creating is neither subtle nor poisonous, but is a wise idea, charming in its adroitness. For love's ideas are subject to the mind which forms them, the power which changes the serpent into a staff. We have all these beliefs about all these creatures, don't we? We give them this. We're scared of the poisonous serpents. We're scared of the ticks. We're scared of mosquitoes. We're scared of the ferocious lion. Well, I just read Daniel felt safe in the lion's den because he knew he didn't believe it. It wasn't one of these laws that were started and then everybody believed it and then it became the dragon. He knew the truth. God saw everything that he had made and it was good. Right now, people are afraid. I was talking to somebody about the pollen. Holy moly. 
the pollen. <laughs> and then, and this was something, actually Candy had pointed this out to me several months ago. And I'm sure I'd read it, but I'd forgotten it. And it is so wonderful in teaching and addresses, which goes along with what I read it from um, Science and Health. This is, yeah, 141, Kimball. Microbes, germs, bacilli, rats, insects, pests. Declare the usefulness of all God's created ideas. And further declare that none of these ideas desire to harm or destroy your house, goods, or flesh. This now. This demesmerizes the insect or the animal. God does not kill. Love does not kill. Illustration given. Worms on a vine. Complaint made, and I declared the usefulness and harmlessness of all God's ideas. Worms departed. Do not know where. So when we hear this, all this stuff, that certain insects or something are going to do you harm, demesmerize that thought. This is a belief, and it was just what I read in the blue book. Animal magnetism starts it and gets everyone to believe it and fear it. And then they seem to see, because that's what they say. Well, I know this is true because this happened. You know, this happened to me and I got sick from the nameless nothing. So therefore, it's true. Again, this is how it works. Mesmerism. Belief. So let us let us work to de-mesmerize. And then, and then... And then, and this was so exciting, my new Eustace book. It's so big and wonderful, and I'm going to buy another one. <laughs> but anyway, he goes into it. Factors and healing. Yes. And it, it's just beautiful. Um, and it, it goes along. He is speaking about the optic nerve, but it's this idea of that there, that everything is all. Everything is all, as we've been talking about. Daniel did this when he faced the lions. He saw the pre very presence of God as the only lion, hence harmless. Jesus saw the presence of God as the only sea, therefore as a peaceful sea. The Hebrew captives saw the presence of God as the only fire, and it was their protection. Mrs. Eddy told a friend that when she saw the face of God in a storm cloud, the storm lifted. That's what our weather people like to think about. <laughs> is not God omnipresent? He is. So, and he brings out that, so what we are always dealing with, no matter what it looks like, is always mesmerism, hypnotism. And isn't it wonderful? Someone was mentioning our chapter about animal magnetism. What is animal magnetism? Unmasked, right? Unmasked. Let's all unmask ourselves. <laughs> How wonderful that would be. Take off those damn masks. <laughs> we will become unmasked. So in all these instances, it's demesmerizing the belief about it, whether it is a storm, whether it is a lion or a tick or whatever it claims to be. Demesmerize it. It's a belief. And... This is what has kept us out of paradise. <laughs> Mrs. 
Evans used to always say, and it's true when you think about it, for every right idea, there is the suppositional opposite. And that includes, you know, she would talk about um, things like jobs, like um, an engineer. I mean, there's the right idea about the engineer, right? But then that he help, he's helpful and, and discovers new things, understands things. But then there's the negative idea, because she would talk about the engineer thought, you know, that was too... Too mechanical, too rote, uninspired, mm-hmm. you know. And then there's, they have social engineering now, which is designed to scam people. So that's, that's definitely yes. the wrong idea. The wrong, <laughs> the wrong concept of a right idea. There's always that idea, just like one plus one equals two. Well, then there seems to be all this one plus one equals three or four or five, which is, is wrong. And, and once you know the right idea, you can't be fooled by the mesmerism. And that's true about a belief. Once you know this truth, the truth about it, the belief will not throw you off. And this, my friends, is where you get the dominion. The dominion. And the dominion is within but it's something that you have to do daily throughout your day. You can't just conjure it up when you have a big problem um, and think, oh, my gosh, oh, ooh, this is terrible. Then you've got to unwind those snarls that you've been thinking wrongly for all those years. <laughs> and, and it takes a while. So you have to be patient with yourself. But all we have is when. Now. now. All we have is now. So you don't have to be concerned about tomorrow or what even what went on yesterday. Now is what's important. Um, and it's very important that we know this and listen to our father and mother now. And make sure we are taking advantage of this time right now. Because it's very important, right? Yes. And that means don't dwell on the past. Don't regret the past. Learn from it what you can and give it to God. And what does that mean? Trust it to him. Yeah. Trust that God, 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 God will give you everything you need to know about the past. So look, keep your keep your eyes forward, and pay attention to what God is giving you today to do. And don't fear the future. Yeah. Yeah. Too much of that. We are here today, and we're worried about next week. I mean, <laughs> steal from tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Steal from tomorrow, and you know people say, "What is you know this all this worry?" It's it's usually about things you're worried about things that are never going to happen in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a beautiful poem. I thought I brought it. I guess it's in the book Collectania. Our church has published a book called Collectania, and it's very similar to the Blue Book, but it's not exactly the same. And I have both. Anyway, I think it's on page three of Clectani. It's a beautiful poem. It must be my miss, by Mrs. Eddy about past regrets and everything and how we mustn't indulge in them, but, but be aware of this present time right now, right here. So 
All we have is now. All we have now is to debunk our beliefs and debunk these beliefs for others, too, because as we do it for ourselves, it blesses everyone, doesn't it? Yes. It spiritualizes the atmosphere. And that's wonderful. But we have such a tremendous truth. And I was just so excited by that statement that it was just something to think about and let it unfold in your life, in your experience. And ask yourself, could you be experiencing more of paradise? And if you could be, then um, what beliefs are holding you back? And it's only a belief. A belief isn't the truth. Florence, did you... Yeah, I think uh, what was being helpful too is, as you said before, asking yourself or myself, where art thou, right? Adam, where art thou? And if I can answer that, and also, at any moment, is God all to me right now? Because if I bring that to everything that's happening, it answers. It has a good answer for me. Is yeah. God all now? This is going on, this is going on. Is God still all this moment? Thank you. Thank you. It was knowing that, that Nancy as a child, what was your testimony? Uh, I had a large space between my front teeth, and uh, I'd have these conversations every night with God, pretty long sometimes. And the thought came to me, God fills all space. And I, I didn't even say, God, fill this space. I said, God fills that space, too, and, um, and felt so sure of it. I expected it. And not the next day, but the following day, I looked in the mirror and my, my teeth had closed. It was no long petition, just, just knowing and expecting. Yes. And the childlike trust. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Childlike trust. So, and you know, in the lesson in Science and Health, I wrote this down as directions for those of us who are getting over beliefs. Um, Mortals, I must gravitate Godward. My affections and aims grow spiritual. They must nearer the broader interpretations of being and gain some proper sense of the infinite in order that sin and mortality may be put off. And then, so that's what we do each day. We have to gravitate Godward. Are we gravitating Godward? Um, so important that we are thinking of it. What do we expect of our day? Is it just filled with a bunch of things to do? Or are we gravitating Godward in our day? Whatever things we have to do, we can still be gravitating God Godward and doing them, can't we? Yes. yes. So, and one thing I'd read, this is something more that that woman who wrote the book, um, Dying to Be Me, says, um, that I thought, again, was very similar to science, where she says, I believe we are all connected to a source of strength or force, but we don't realize it. We always have access to it and are never separate from it. But we are taught to believe that we are separate and that God is separate from us. And we have to work at being more spiritual by following certain dogma or doctrines to access this force. When I was in the other realm, I realized that the force that tops us with energy 
is always there. It is always with me and constantly flowing into me. But I had denied it. I had forgotten it because I was conditioned to ignore it and instead to focus on the outside world. So, sounds familiar, doesn't it? And that's why we see in little children um, just this natural ability because they're so close to the father and he just flows into them. And that's what it should be for us as well. And they haven't been miseducated yet yet to believe all these false material beliefs. So remember all of this and remember we don't have to be in this Adam dream. We can be in the first creation with God in paradise. <laughs> and and when beliefs come knocking at your door, you just kick them out. Not allowed. This place has changed hands, as I say. Okay, Gary. Hello? Hello? Yes, we're ending now, though. I'm sorry. You, you need to speak up a little before now because the bell is rung. The bell is rung. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I couldn't come before. Can I just share this one line from um, Mary Baker Daddy's writings? Um, sure. You were talking about, you know, the animals, and you know I'm all for the vegan way. And it says, uh, and I thought how great to hear the things. Thank you guys for being always here. And it says, um, the evil of the centuries is what, preaching without practice, right? Yes. So now Divine Mind has revealed all these things, and and uh, this line is very important, especially for you wonderful, great students of Christian science to, you know, get this going about uh honoring God's creatures by not killing them so thank you so much for bringing that and thank you so much guys thank you Ingrid okay we'll finish by reading from uh Eustace Adam where art thou from the 1903 journal what and where is consciousness The Christian Science textbook states on page 336, quote, man's consciousness and individuality are reflections of God. They are the emanations of him who is life, truth, and love. And in the Acts of the Apostles, we are told that in him we live and move and have our being, end quote. Here then is the direct answer to this question. Consciousness is the emanation of life, truth, and love. Consciousness then lives and moves and has its being in life, truth, and love. Consciousness, therefore, is living, truthful, and loving. Then it is not dying, lying, and hating. And because there is no concord between opposites, consciousness knows only life, truth and love and this is what consciousness is and this is where consciousness is this is all the consciousness there is and this is man's consciousness adam where art thou is answered no longer in materiality in flesh and blood in sin sickness poverty and death in hatred envy 
lust and jealousy, in terror and fear. But in the eternal knowledge that the first Adam was a mesmeric dream, nothingness, and the last Adam is a living consciousness of good. As this understanding of consciousness dawns on human thought, the past, as being of yesterday, is swept away, and the present now becomes the only reality. The 6,000-odd years of biblical narrative are for human learning and guidance today. A thousand years has become as a day. Consciousness holds all things as now. The sins and errors of false consciousness and their inevitable punishment and destruction are now. Persons, places, and things, however seemingly remote, become a present consciousness. Time ceases. The scriptures are this moment a living lesson, no longer dead, but palpitating with ever-present life and truth, a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, a consciousness of now. Mark ye well her bulwarks. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.